What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the JV team. My name is Carter Vaughn. I'm here along with Matthew Morrison and Jackson Ryan, and it is good to be back talking sports. So first off, we're going to start off the show with a little crew sports news. Matthew, let's get it going. It's been a, a, an eventful couple of weeks in Crew Nation. UMHB football barely squeaked by ETBU. Not something we're used to seeing a close game, but UMHB did come away victorious 30-28. to Anthony Avila hit the game-winning field goal. That was, you know, it wasn't right at the end, but with about four minutes left. And it was good for Anthony because he w- missed four or five. The, during the, during the game, so it was good to see for him to see one go through. Uh, one of them was a 53-yarder, so that one obviously that's 50-50, you know, even for the best kicker. But uh, good for UMHB to get get the win. Obviously, they have a lot to work on, but they continue their winning ways in football. UMHB basketball clinched the ASC West. Uh, the men did. They they beat Howard Payne and Sol Ross last week to clinch the West. And then their game against Concordia, their quarterfinal game in the ASC tournament, uh, was they won via a forfeit because uh, Concordia had some corona COVID issues within the program. So UMHB gets to advance to the semifinal round, and they'll either play Louisiana College or UT Dallas. And we don't know about that yet that that game is being played as we speak uh umhb women's basketball pulled off an upset today they beat harden simmons in the first round of the asc tournament uh, umhb barely got into the uh the the asc tournament they snuck in with the four seed and then just beat the one how great is that being harden simmons oh anytime you beat harden simmons know, that's that's good stuff it's uh, especially you know the girls were struggling this year yeah they lost a lot last year and so to see them beat our rival um to, you know to advance that just that's really good to see it's a rebuild year for sure and i think uh, coach moorfield is looking for those those future stars and possibly setting his lineup for next year and another run you may be softballs had a good week you know they started off a little slow this this year they they were five and nine coming into the week now there's or they were four and nine coming into the week now they're seven and nine they scored two big wins against houston victoria yesterday and they beat Southwestern in a close one today, and so that was a good a good win. UMHB baseball struggling right now. They are a one in six, but they do have an opportunity to turn the ship around. They've got Austin College in a three-game series this week, followed by Shriner in a three-game series next week. Those are all winnable games, and I think kind of the way people view UMHB baseball right now is they're better than they have been in the past. But they got a lot of work to do. It's you know, they're not losing 18 to three. They're not losing 17 to two anymore. It, they're close games, but they just can't. They're not winning those close games yet. So, Coach Stosky's still trying to build what he wants and where he sees the program going. But at least it's four to one when they lose, or three to two, one to nothing, not 18 to five. Right, and they're really you know whenever Jeb Zolman pitches. Yeah, those are the games where you know they they're close. I mean, the, yeah. you know, opening day he pitched a gym. Ten, ten strikeouts through yeah. five innings, yeah. and only put, he lost he gets a loss because they lose one to nothing on a questionable ball on a questionable ball call. And anytime Jeb's on the mound, UMHB has a chance. Yeah. Uh, I also think that their second guy, uh, Asserni, can really pitch. And so anytime anytime they're they, they'll always have a chance in the first two games. It's that third game. 
where the pitching runs really low right now. Right, and you know we're we're gonna get Jeb on the show. He's gonna come on uh-huh. in a week or two, and he's a friend of the show. And and so you know you really want to, you know you have senior leadership like that. Right. Um, Jeb's a great leader, and um, you know it's it's guys like that that help build a program. You know they're right. they're gonna build that foundation, and um, I think the future is bright for them. You know, like you said, they were losing fourteen to three, and they were just right. I mean, they were kind of the laughing stock of sports at UMHB for for a mm-hmm. while, and I think Coach Stosky's really building something. Um, I know it's probably tough to see that right now because they're not winning. Right, you look at the record and right. not. But you know, you give him a year or two, and he starts getting his recruits in there. You know, anything in baseball, anything can happen. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just such a f- funny game, and uh, I think Coach Stosky. Like you said, he's got to get some more recruits, especially some hitters. Uh, he, none of the hitters really right now are, are his except a, a, a select few. And, you know, he's got to get some more pitching, obviously. But there are signs of life in UMHB baseball again, whereas in the past years it's been very, very difficult to watch. Uh, UMHB soccer, both teams are undefeated. Both teams scored uh, big wins against McMurray and then – Followed that up. They also won again and how at, at Howard Payne this past week, uh, this past couple days, and so they'll play Howard Payne again this Sunday, and so that that should be good. UMHB soccer, both teams doing very well. Hopefully the women can get a get over that Harden Simmons hump that that's kind of been in their way. Harden Simmons is kind of the women's soccer at Harden Simmons is kind of the uh, UMHB football. They've kind of got that sewed up right now and so hopefully UMHB soccer we can see them get over that that last hurdle this year in the shortened spring season and finally UMHB volleyball split a doubleheader with Concordia that was actually their first loss on the year but they did get one win and so they're doing good they're in the driver's seat controlling their own destiny and then also a sport that doesn't get a ton of attention at UMHB, but it's a fairly new program. UMHB Acrobatics and Tumbling had a meet this past Monday, and uh, that's kind of a that's a fun sport to kind of go watch. And, you know, I don't know anything about it and what the judges look for, but it's something that I like to go to and watch once a season just to you know see what it's about and see you know my peers and some of my friends. Uh, compete and you know it's it's kind of fun to watch like i said not a sport i know a whole lot about but uh, they they play they i guess you could say had a meet against arizona christian this past monday monday and they lost but it was it was fun to watch and that's a new program and i think uh, coach oates courtney oates is doing a great job and i think everybody's pretty happy with the way that's headed right <clears throat> kind of going back to baseball you mentioned baseball you know, this year, you look at their schedule and they have, you know, they have ETBU. I think they just played ETBU. Mm-hmm. They have TLU. Tough team. Yeah, it's tough. They played Trinity this year. That's very tough. I think tough. they play them twice. That, I mean, teams like that, you know, they may not win those games, but I think those are games that you kind of judge on how you, how you, where you're going. Because if you look, you know, if you look at last year, they got beat pretty handily. I think mm-hmm. it was like 7-3. to three. Yeah. Um, and so if maybe they use it. Maybe they play them and it's like four to one, maybe mm-hmm. five to one. You know that'd be a lot better. Right. And so I think that you can use those games as yeah, maybe you're not going to win, but let's measure let's measure our team. When I was talking to uh, Coach Wilson, the assistant coach, and he said that 
they're really wanting to win these next two. They feel that they match up well versus Shriner and Austin College. And so he's, I think everybody's kind of hoping maybe if they can win. You know, Austin College is down. They're, they're not great. Uh, Shriner, I, I've not watched any there, but UMHB did take two or three last year against them. And so if they could, you know, win maybe five of six of those games, get on a little streak, maybe the confidence goes up. Maybe the guys start to believe. And, you know, you never know. UMHB was seven and eight last year before the pandemic hit and the season was canceled. Right. So, I mean, that's a lot better than 10 and 30, which we'd been averaging the past four years. Right. And I, I'm looking up their schedule right now, you know, they go Austin College, they go to Sherman, and then they have Shriner at home. Do they go to University of the Ozarks? I'm not I'm not sure if they're good. Are they pretty good? Yeah, they're pretty good. I'm sorry, Jackson's telling me their record. <laughs> Jackson used to play. I don't yeah. know if everybody knew that, so he he knows the competition. Um uh, so Shriner, or University of Ozarks is pretty good. So that you know, maybe just take one game out yeah. of that series. Um then you have Trinity at home. Uh, that's that's gonna be a tough game. Yeah. Uh UT Dallas. They're good. They're, They're good. good. That that's another tough series. Then you got Southwestern. Southwestern's on the come up. They're not. They may not. You know, they're not one of those programs like Trinity, but they've got some good pitching. Um, I know some guys pitching for them, and um, honestly, they're a lot like UMHB in the baseball department. You know, they're kind of they're kind of young, and their coach is doing some things. So UMHB um, is kind of viewed right now by the conference as we can't look past them, but if we play our game, we'll, we should win. Right. Whereas it used to be UMHB will pitch our three freshmen and get three wins. Right. Now it's we at least have to – we can't look past them. Right. So that shows you kind of where UMHB baseball is headed. Also, I think if UMHB can kind of get some wins in the conference teams like McMurray, they could beat McMurray. Concordia. Concordia's tough. No, they're tough. They're very tough. I'll say McMurray, Howard Payne. Howard Payne. Howard yep. Payne is beatable. And so Southwestern's beatable. Southwestern's beatable. So the I think a good mark that UMHB should strive for. Now I know you're sitting there thinking they're one and six right now. This is all, you know, this is very wishful thinking. But if they could get to about 500, I think that would be a very successful year for the crew. I agree. I agree. Well, kind of staying on the baseball topic, Jackson. Let's uh let's hear about the base. Let's hear about some baseball. Yeah, getting into baseball from the MLB side, we've had games this past couple weeks in spring training where pitchers have been cut off after 30 pitches or 25 pitches, which is not good for the game because it doesn't help grow the game of baseball and the fact that, you know, in the regular season, guys are going to have to get through a full inning. So with spring training, they're only playing seven innings sometimes. Sometimes they're only playing five innings, you know, flipping guys through um, the lineup, you know, they don't hit a certain amount of times. Um, and so... That's not really good for the game. Also, we've had some key injuries this past week. Talking about the Houston Astros, Forrest Whitley is out with Tommy John for 2021. And Forrest has just never gotten on track. Guy that came out of uh, San Antonio High School area and was supposed to be a big-time prospect and just hasn't gotten over the hump yet, but he can still get there. You know, if he comes back from TJ and is fully healthy in 2022, 2023, he could be coming back for good. So... You know, from Nashville's perspective, that's a big loss. But they also signed Jake Odorizzi this past week to a two-year deal. That's a big deal. 
because the Astros need a top-line guy without Verlander being there this year. And so Jake Odorizzi is going to be a solid pickup, and when you have him and Granke as your one-two, you're set up pretty nicely. Also, I saw today, I know that you are uh, very big in the, the Texas Rangers organization, uh, Round Rock obviously being their affiliate, that they're going to allow 100% fans at the ballpark, at the Globe Life Park in, in Arlington. Yeah, so that's what they're supposed to – they came out and announced today that they're going to come up with 100% capacity now with the governor's orders, you know, being at 100%, even though some cities and states are, you know, still mandating the mask. So I'm not sure exactly how they're going to do that, and they're going to have to cooperate with MLB and MLBPA to get that approved. But we'll see where it goes. I just – it would be nice to have fans in that stadium. The Rangers really need fans in the stadium because they have that new, you know, globe by field coming out from last year and they didn't have anybody there. Yeah, I mean, they've never had a Rangers – they've never had the fans there for a Rangers game because yeah. um, of the pandemic. The only time they had fans was for the playoffs in the uh, World Series. So, um, I love this. I love – get us back to normal. I mean, we yeah. need – I mean, I, I don't know how good the Rangers will be this year, um, but I don't think it matters. I think people are going to be ready to get back in the ballpark and – you know, we took it for granted. We took, we really did take even not just baseball, any sporting event. Um, we, you know, after the pandemic, you couldn't go to a game, you couldn't watch a game. So now I think a lot of people being, you know, it doesn't matter if they're a Rangers fan, if they live in the area, they're going to go to a game because they couldn't, and they're going to take their kids to a game. And I, I love this. I hope the Ash, I hope every, all major league teams do this because I think, um, I think it's great for the game, and you know, I think it'll make people you know, feel better and back to normal. And starting in April 1st in California, they're going to allow 20%. So that's a good start, you know, to have the Dodgers and have the Angels yeah. and have Oakland and San Francisco and San Diego and L.A. that are going to be big rivals this year, um, you know, have fans in their stadium. I think the fa- the teams on the southeastern seaboard, uh, I, I call it SEC country, but I know this is we're talking to MLB, but yeah. those states are opening up a lot quicker. Mississippi, I know there's not a – MLB Southeast, team. Yeah. Southeast, Florida, I think the Florida teams will be, you'll have a lot of fans that, this year. And then going up towards you know, the Carolinas and stuff like that. And along with the uh, some of the Midwest states, I think you'll see more and more fans this year as the season progresses. I mean, yeah, I mean, I hope, I hope so. You know, it's just not seeing, you know, I, I'll say it, I'm an Astros fan. I'm a giant mm-hmm. Astros fan. Watching an Astros game on TV and seeing no fans, it's just weird. I mean, it's just weird. It's not right. It's not supposed to happen. Same with the Rockets. You're not supposed to hear the players yelling their play. I mean, you're really yeah. you're, that's just not supposed to happen. So, I hope I hope all teams have a have 100% at some point or at least 25% um, because it's it's needed. I mean, especially for, you know for a sport. I mean, baseball, yes, but especially for a sport like the NBA. When home court advantage in an arena, a small arena like that, where, you know, it's so loud. I mean, they, I think that had a lot to do, you know, we're going to talk about NBA later, but I think that had a lot to do with the finals last year. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's, Jackson and I were talking about this the other day. It was literally in the bubble. It was literally team versus team. Mm-hmm. You, know, you had no other effects. It was literally like, well, what if you put them on a neutral court and they played? It was a neutral court. Mm-hmm. And so... I, I'm all for this, and I'm glad the Rangers were the first ones to do it. Um, I expect probably the Marlins and yeah. all the Florida teams, probably the Astros do the it Rays. too. The Rays, um, the Marlins, like I said. And so 
I probably the Braves too. Yeah. I don't know. They're in Georgia, so that's kind of I don't I don't yeah. know where they're at right now, Georgia. But I I hope all the teams do. Tennessee, I know there's not a MLB team there, but the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies in the NBA, yeah. I think that that'll happen soon. Spurs, Rockets, uh-huh. Mavs, I'm sure they'll they'll look yeah. into it. Um, uh, but yeah. Yeah, getting back to MLB. Sorry, Jackson, we kind of went off on a little rabbit hole there, but. No, yeah, I'll break down some minor league stuff, too. So, you know, you've had Albuquerque, talking about AAA West, Albuquerque, El Paso, Oklahoma City, Round Rock, Sugar Land, Vegas, Reno, Sacramento, Salt Lake, and Tacoma are going to be the 10 teams in the West this year. And to touch on that, I'm excited for us to be able to get, meaning the Round Rock Express, the season starting now, we're being pushed back a month. So our opening day will be May 5th against Oklahoma City. And then we'll have Sugar Land come in after that. But... You know, it's nice to have those, even the minor league teams, to start opening up, you know, to have fans in their stadium as well. You know, I saw Albuquerque about two weeks ago say that they're going to be opening up to have fans in at a limited capacity. So, you know, it's all about growing the game and making sure people have fun. Like, uh, you know, I work with Tom House, and like he says, you know, the power of play is so real. And, you know, to have kids enjoy what they do and to get better and to see them get to the next level – and, you know, at the end of the day, it's just about enjoying the game and making sure kids and adults have a great time while they are at the ballpark. Switching gears here, Matt, let's talk about some golf. What's going on in the uh, PGA world? Yeah, obviously, since the last time we did one, uh, Tiger Woods, we all know about that. That was kind of tough news for golf fans, him getting in that wreck. I did hear that he's doing better. He had a shattered ankle and then two broke bones in his legs, and uh, I think they were sticking through the skin. So good good to hear that Tiger is doing well and recovering. I think he'll be released from the hospital pretty soon, and it should start recovering at home. You know, obviously the selfish part of us wants to know what's next with his golf career. He's so close to breaking Sam Snead's record and becoming the all-time leader in PGA Tour wins. He's tied with Sam at 82. Then obviously he's the one that everybody watches is he's three short of Jack's major record of 18 wins in majors. He's got 15. And so we all want to see him kind of get to that. I I don't think he has it in him to get to 18 majors just because of the level of competition, the younger competition. I don't think he has, I don't think he'll win three more majors. And will he ever play golf again? I don't know. But I do think he, if he does, I think he'll beat uh, Sam Snead's record. I think we could see him in the winner's circle again. It probably, I just, it might be at a, at a tournament, the Shell Houston Open or something like that, something, some small tournament. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him back in the winner's circle. Obviously, this sets him back. He was, he was already kind of on the injured list for his back. He just, had his fifth back surgery to repair a disc and a nerve and so he was rehabbing in hopes of getting back to the in time for the masters and now that's not obviously going to happen the masters is in april and you know he's now got all these broken bones and steel plates that he's having to rehab in his leg but the wreck i don't know if that i i still think he could come back because as long as the wreck didn't injure his back anymore his leg will heal. I mean, he's got screws and plates and all that in his leg, and 
he's got world-class surgeons that operated on his you know leg to fix him i'm sure so as long as the leg as long as the back didn't get re-injured in the wreck too bad i think we could see tiger woods back on the pga tour never now never count him out and the back's always been the problem for yeah him, so yeah i mean if if the back's fine and the leg heals right like it should i think we could see tiger woods back it just may not be this year and Bryson DeChambeau just continues to tear tear the PGA Tour up. I mean, absolutely, just changing the game. I mean, he was he hit a 300 this past week at the Arnold Palmer. He won. He hit he it was a par five, uh, over 500 yards, and he was off after his drive. He had 85 85 yards left. He, I mean, he carried it 370. I mean, think about that. I mean, he's really reinventing the game with the way he changing his swing in the off season, and you know his clubs are all the same length instead of you know gradually shorter as you know most golfers have, and uh, most sets are. And he's really he's really reinventing the game, and he's you're seeing it through his results. He's already won. He's got a major now at the U.S. Open, and. I think he'll continue to make noise on tour. A guy I'm really excited about is Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth has seemed to find his game. He's been finishing in the top five consistently, and so hopefully we can see him back in the winner's circle really soon. And, uh, you know, because <clears throat> you know, Jordan had, had was on such a tear at an early age, and he you know, won 11, 11 victories, had 11 victories on tour very quickly, three of the four majors, before the age of 25, only a few have done that. And ever since 2017, he's kind of been, you know, in a slump and just hasn't really been sharp like we're, we're used to seeing him. But it looks like he's trending upward and has got his ball striking back and as well as his putting that obviously his putting is probably, when he has it going, is probably the best on tour. All right, switching gears, we're going to start talking about football now. Starting off with the NFL. So a lot's happened in the NFL. Now, because of COVID and not having fans, the cap is down from last year, which means teams are going to have to cut players, tender players, restructure contracts, a lot of stuff going on. So the cap is now um, at $182.5 million. Um, it was going to just be $180 million, but they raised it $2 million. Uh, some pocket change there. Yeah. Um, now, <laughs> the first casualty... Well, okay, not the first casualty. The big first, you know, there's some big names on this list. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is Kyle Van Noy. BYU. Yes, that was kind of a shock because the Dolphins had just signed him last year to a big deal. Um, they were talking about doing a trade, and I guess they didn't get any offers because they cut him. Uh, but Van Noy is a fine player. Um, obviously, the Dolphins didn't think so, but um, he had a $12.5 million salary. Uh, he was that's what he was due to make this year too um and i guess nobody wanted to trade for him for a guy like that i mean if you're a contender that's not a bad piece to add yeah and i think the dolphins probably think he's a good player it's just like you said they're having to make these changes and they probably think linebackers are a position that you can probably get a guy out of the draft coming up and that's not as big of a transition as some other positions probably. We've seen rookie linebackers start. It's not like rookie quarterbacks where 
there's as big of a there's just a huge difference between that and college or it's not as talked about as much and you just you just see more rookie linebackers playing more than you do any other position is there a team off the top of your head that you know could use a linebacker or you could see signing him well the cowboys they're always looking for somebody when sean lee's gonna get hurt i mean we all know that he's gonna get hurt at some point this year i mean i like i love sean lee i mean he's a great player plays hard but I can't think of a season where he's played all 16 games. Might have be nice to have Kyle Van Noy, right. especially if you can get him cheap now. So, I mean, just something to think about. What about a team like the Cardinals? The Cardinals would be nice. I, now, they just signed a mega superstar, and I don't know what their cap room situation is. Right, but they got J.J. Watt off a big deal. Right. But Kyle Van Noy already got his big deal. Uh-huh. So you've got to be thinking money's not really going to matter much. That's true. So uh, if he's looking to win, I think that's what something you got to sell him on too. Yeah. Hey, we can't pay you as much, but you you can win. And that young that Cardinals team, they're putting together a squad. It's exactly right. Um, they're putting together a squad, and if you add a player like him with Buda Baker, Patrick Peterson, probably that's pretty good defense. JJ Watt, mm-hmm. Chandler Jones. That is a great defense, and then you have you already got your quarterback Kyler Murray, mm-hmm. and you got Christian Kirk on the side. Larry Fitzgerald keeps coming back. <laughs> I mean, he's a stud. Immortal. Mean, you already know what he's going to do every year. Yeah. Um, our next player is Kenny Vaccaro, kid out of Texas. Yeah. Um, which this kind of surprises me a little bit because the Titans had a good thing going. Yeah, I wouldn't change that too much yeah, if I were them. I yeah, I know I wouldn't either. Um. You know his salary wasn't that big. Um, he was he was set to get six point nine million. Um, he had two seasons two seasons remaining on his deal. He signed in twenty nineteen. Um, he chose to stay with the Titans, by the way, so he was loyal. Yeah. Um, but they released him, and this will clear three point nine million this year, and then he'll count three million for next year in the cap. Uh, he played 13 games this season and had 83 total tackles, six tackles for loss, five passes deflected, a sack, and a fumble recovery. Um, he's only 30. So, you know, another guy like him, you put him on a yeah. team that needs one one more piece. Mm-hmm. He's another guy that can kind of be like that. What what teams are you thinking for him? I, I think there's so many teams that could use a safety, and Kenny Vaccaro's a great talent. I've watched him growing up just because he went to Texas and I obviously was a big Texas fan growing up and he he loves to hit people and he doesn't have just necessarily the ball hawk you know skills he, he never had just a ton of interceptions but you get him out in open space he's looking to lay the boom yeah and I think once again a, a team like like you said Arizona would be good um, I could see maybe a, a team that has the offense. But is looking to you know add that defense maybe the Bills, yeah you know, the, the yeah. Bill, uh I think I wouldn't be surprised maybe like a Chiefs make make a push for him because him next to Tyron Matthew uh huh something like that uh, I don't know the Chiefs cap situation but uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see somebody like that that's already in the thick of things but needs to kind of help re- reload and so they can make another push. Uh, you know, he was on the Saints, wasn't he? Yes. Could could go back there. He could go back there, especially since Drew Brees is not taking up 
you know, he's obviously going to retire. Uh, we think. We assume. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's a big contract that's not in the way anymore. So you could help. You know, you could get some pieces and 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 replace. Right. You know, we were talking about the Cardinals earlier. Um, they let Kenyon Drake walk. Um, that's mm. that's that's a that's a weird one. You know, they traded for him. Yeah, and we saw you know Kenyon Drake got hurt there for a short stint this year, and I wouldn't be. I think they have some faith in their backup guy uh, Edmonds. Edmonds yeah. filled that role pretty nicely. He did, and they might be able to think you know, hey, this guy can be our guy for cheaper, and we can get something from for Kenyon Drake, uh, another piece that we need. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and he had 955 rushing yards in 15 games. That's not bad. No, he also had 137 receiving yards. Uh, so, with ten touchdowns. So I mean, that's just—it's kind of weird. But yeah. You got to think that they trust their backup mm. a lot if they're going to let a guy like that go. Um, they traded for him. He had the first year he had a 643 rushing yards in eight games with the Cardinals, and 174 receiving yards. Um. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know what to say. I, I just I thought he they were he was kind of their back. I, yeah. Well, like he's he's also at Alabama. He was injury prone, so maybe they're thinking that they they need to get somebody, and maybe he's dealing with some injuries that we're not aware of, or maybe they just feel like they've already gotten the best out of him. I don't know. I I think it's mainly like you said. They're want they're creating cap room. And with the Cardinals, they think our backup guy's pretty good, and he can do the job. They're a pass-happy offense, anyways. Right. Um, I think they're thinking probably Edmonds can do, for the most part, what Drake is doing, and you know we won't miss, we won't lose too much by just letting Chase Chase Edmonds uh, carry the carry the rock, and, and and he'll do it for cheaper, and we can get a, a draft pick to fill. Kenyon Drake's spot. Right, and you know you mentioned they're a pass-happy offense. Maybe they just don't see the point in yeah. investing in a running back um, when they have a good younger one that they don't have to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, another star that got cut. He, I mean, he's he's been a star. He's kind of older now. Emmanuel Sanders got yeah. cut by the Saints. You kind of feel like the Saints, you know, that this was kind of their last hurrah, maybe, mm-hmm. um, and maybe they're just going to start cleaning shop and start rebuilding. Yeah. The Saints, it's it's a shame they never they only got one Super Bowl out of all those good years they had. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, I mean when you say only one Super Bowl, but you know they were always around it. And obviously the one in 2018 against the Rams was the one that hurt the most. They probably should have been there. They probably should have been in the Super Bowl, and it would have been a much better Super Bowl than the 13 to three snorefest we got. Yeah, I mean Tom versus Drew. How yeah. much of a game that was. Yeah, it would yeah, have been a lot been. better. Mm-hmm. But if it, you liked kicking, though, that was a great game. It was a great game. If you love defense, that was a great game. But that that was kind of sad to see them only get one. But like you said, they're, they're, I think they're going to get some younger talent. I think that's what they're doing. Emmanuel Sanders, obviously, uh, has had a great career. And I'm sure he will still have you know a good career. I think somebody will probably pick him up. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see somebody like the Texans pick him up because they're Will Fuller with that whole situation going on with him. Maybe you want a veteran receiver to kind of come 
lead the guy. Brandon Cooks, like he could be a nice, it could be a nice one-two punch. Emmanuel Sanders and Brandon Cooks, and uh, obviously it'd be nice if Deshaun Watson's throwing to him, but who knows what will happen there. But I, I think somebody will pick up Emmanuel Sanders. But I think we've obviously probably seen the best out of Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, I mean he's 34 years old, so he, his career's probably yeah on the down downward point. But last year he did have he was the Saints leading receiver. He had 61 catches for 726 yards. And that's pretty good being that for some of that he had Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston throw in the ball yeah. instead of Drew Brees. Yeah. And Taysom Hill's a good quarterback. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying Drew Brees is Hall of Fame, obviously. Yeah. Well, and we know what Jameis Jameis has a tendency to be really good or really bad. Yeah. Um so, but you know, we were talking about the Cardinals earlier losing Kenyon Drake. Now this is interesting because there's a big time free agent running back that hasn't re-signed yet, and the Packers have not franchise tagged him, and that's Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones kind of came onto the scene last year and kind of blew up. He was on my fantasy team, mm-hmm. and I drafted him because all the experts were like, "Yeah, this guy could have a good year." Um, I didn't think he'd have that year. So he was. Your Stephon, he was the equivalent of my Stephon Diggs this year. Right. So he was, uh, well, I mean, Jackson would know. Uh, yeah, he was in my league. Everybody in my league knows that Aaron Jones went off this year. Uh-huh. I am the defending champion. So Me too. I got to put that out there. Me too, but in a different league. Yeah, I got to put that out there. And, you know, there's a lot of hurt, hurt souls out there, but it's fine. It's fine, <laughs> Jackson. Uh, but so Aaron Jones had a great year, but now. You know, we do this every time a good running back gets on the market. Do we pay a running back? Do we not pay a running back? Um, the Packers have not made up their mind. Right now, the Vegas, the guys in Vegas have picked the Dolphins as the favorite to sign him. Might be interesting. I don't know. Him and Tua might be good. Um, right after that, the the pack or the Packers um, and the 49ers. 49ers are That'd in be the good. top three. Him and Jimmy G. But also on that list are the Cardinals. You put – we know Aaron Jones is good, and we know he's a great receiving back because he played with Aaron Rodgers. You put Aaron Jones on that Cardinals team. Wow. Yeah. i tell you a team that's not on there, and I know I mentioned them already before, and we're going to mention them again, so not to harp on it, but – and this will never happen. This is just my take is – I would get rid. It's time to move on from Ezekiel Elliott. Get Aaron Jones. Get Aaron Jones. Trade Ezekiel Elliott. Ooh, ooh, that's a take right there. And and he's you're a Cowboys fan. I'm a fan of all things Texas. We got two Cowboys fans on the couch right here in front of me, and this is now this is an interesting topic here. I want to hear what Jackson has to say about this because. Y'all just re-signed Ezekiel Elliott yes. to a big contract. Now, what makes you say maybe it's time to move on? I think just from watching him the last year, and I just don't think he's motivated. I don't think he, he – I mean, he carries the ball, and then he's already tapping out that he needs a break. And then he was good for at least a fumble or two a game last year. I just don't think his heart's in it. It's not the same Zeke we saw fresh out of college who was just running up and down on defenses. And he's not – he's kind of starting to look a little chunky. 
I mean, down in the middle section, somebody's been feeding Zeke. It's not the six-pack abs that we saw coming out of uh, college. It's a little bit of, little bit of, uh, we'll just say, extra body uh, mass there. Well, you know, after, as I watched a lot of Cowboys games this year. I will say this. Because two of my roommates are Cowboys fans, we had the Cowboys on. Mm-hmm. Normally, I wouldn't watch them. Not that I don't like them. I, I don't have yeah. a problem with them, but I just don't watch them. Um, I will say it seemed like Zeke fumbled at least once a game, maybe twice. Yeah. Every game. And to me... It's like, well, you're paying this guy, what is it, like $90 million or $100 million? Yeah. I traded. I, he was my number one draft pick in fantasy this year, and I traded for Adam Thielen midway through the year. That's how bad – and I got more points with Adam Thielen. Really? Than I did with Zeke Elliott. And I know that it, partly because Dak, when Dak went down, Zeke's production went down with it. But – I mean, that trade, along with... I, I picked up Adam Thielen and Nick Chubb when he was hurt. Hey, Nick Chubb was a for, good running back this but year. But he was hurt, and so the guy my, the guy was willing to trade him for Zeke Elliott, a healthy running back, and that was a great trade. Well, Nick Chubb, we, won't, we don't talk about the Browns a lot. Nick Chubb was a stud in that playoff game. Yeah. But I want to hear Jackson's take on this. What do you? How do you respond to Matt's take on maybe it's time to move on from Zeke? Because I know you're a big Cowboys guy. Yeah, I, I say this. I don't think the Cowboys will do it because they'll be over the salary cap because if you trade Ezekiel Elliott, you're still going to pick up, well, you're assuming Aaron Jones, which is going to be probably the same the same amount of money, if not more. And signing Dak to that big contract, you know that their centerpiece is now Dak Prescott with that organization um, with that four-year deal for $160, I want to say, million. dollars, And so... I think they'll probably stay with what they got. They need defense. They really do. And they yeah. need better special teams as well. Um, they were in a lot of close games last year, and obviously the quarterback situation didn't help. You know, having backups to backups uh, being in games right. compared to Dak Prescott. Because if you look at it, that division was very winnable. And you know what? If they had a home playoff game, you never know what can happen once you get in the playoffs. And they need to repair their offensive line. It's it's beaten, battered, and bruised. And uh, this is never going to happen. I know that right. Aaron Jones is not going to be wearing a Cowboys uniform. I'm just saying Ezekiel Elliott better prove something this year. Otherwise, it, it's, People are going to start. He, he's their number two, though. Think about it. Really, Pollard was their number one running back last year. Yeah, he was more if productive. It, he was. I mean, I mean, didn't they have Pollard running back kicks, too? Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Pollard got more and more touches as the season went on. And, you know, <laughs> Pollard's not a bad running back. Pollard's either. not, and he's not getting paid $90 million. Yeah, so that's that, the thing. So that kind of goes back to the argument that we were talking about. Do you pay running backs a lot of money? Well, and Zeke, you know, every other year he's got, I'm not going to play until I get my contract extended. And, right. you know, I'm going to miss four games. And then when I come back, I'm not going to be in shape. And it's just... Ezekiel Elliott, in my opinion, comes with a lot of drama yeah. right now. And I don't think he's – if you're going to have a lot of drama, you better be able to play. Antonio Brown's kind of proven that right now. Now he's toned it down quite a bit. But 
I think Tom Brady's had a little and bit to do Tom with Brady's that. helping that too. With Antonio Brown, Tom Brady has helped Antonio Brown get back with his career on track. Um, you know, with Tom having Randy Moss before, he he knows what to do to help yeah. guys out in that situation. And you know what? Antonio Brown's been on his best behavior with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Absolutely. Um, let's go back to the Cowboys offensive line, Matt. I know you talked about it. You know, I realize Andy Dalton, and I'm probably going to sound biased because I'm a TCU guy, but a lot of people were hating on Andy this year. I call him the Red Rifle. He's the Red Rifle. A lot of people were hating on the Red Rifle this year, and you know, you really can't hate on him. His offensive line was terrible. Okay. I mean, he, he never a, had a chance. He was a good quarterback at Cincinnati. I mean, he doesn't just go dumb and and a you know a year just by switching cities. Yeah. I mean, he's a good quarterback, and that was a great sign for a backup quarterback. I mean, I think him and Colt McCoy are the best backups in the league. Now, obviously, I'm biased when it comes to Colt McCoy, but, I mean, he has produced results. When he comes yeah. in on a spot start, or I mean, he beat the Seahawks this year yeah, he did. in Seattle. Yeah. So he's a good, viable backup option. Him and Andy Dalton, I think, are the best. But Andy Dalton never had any time, and Andy Dalton's not mobile like Dak is in the pocket. Right. Dak Prescott will mask a lot exactly. of offensive line deficiencies because mm-hmm. he can get out of some of that. Well, you mentioned Colt McCoy beating the Seahawks. I know he beat the Seahawks because Jackson and our other roommate, Marshall, let me hear about them beating the Seahawks. What, does he play for the Giants now? Uh, He does, yeah. yeah. And they were one of the worst teams in the NFL, and they came into Seattle and they beat us. So I'm very aware. Thank you for bringing that back up. Yeah. Jackson's over here smiling. Um, I did that for you, Jackson. You're um, welcome. Um, but let's talk about Dak's deal. So it's a four-year deal, $160 million, $126 million guaranteed at an annual average rate of $40 million. Prescott's now the second-highest-paid quarterback behind Mahomes. Jackson, what do you got about that? Yeah, um, kind of iffy on both sides for me um, just because he had a big injury before. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? Four years. You never know how he'll produce. Um, but that's what they need to do is to get him signed, and they ended up getting him signed. And you know what? I mean, the Cowboys haven't been great for a while, but if they end up making the playoffs and going deep, and you know, being in the NFC Championship game and going from there, then it's going to be all worth it. So we'll see how it turns out. Yeah, I agree. You know, I heard from I was listening to the Pat McAfee show, and before they signed that he signed this deal they were talking about how he wanted you know Mahomes money and you know I'm not going to take away anything from Dak Prescott I think he's a good quarterback great quarterback but I think Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes are both much better quarterbacks than them than him um yeah now I realize you have to pay players because he's going to see what Deshaun got and he's like well I want that um I think this is kind of a risky move because, like Jackson said, he, you know he broke his ankle. How is he going to respond from that? How is that going to go? Um, it, will he be as fast? Will he be as agile? Is he going to be scared to do that again? Is he going to be scared to take off? Is he, is he going to be tenant to get hit? Um, these are all things. But at the same time, the NFL is a quarterback-driven league, and when you draft a quarterback and you think they have potential, you got to lock them down mm-hmm. because if you don't, another team will. And so I think the Cowboys had to do this, and yeah. they did it. And now they got they got a, a good quarterback. They got C.D. Lamb. 
And I know they won't get Aaron Jones, but if you add Aaron Jones to that backfield, uh-huh. that offense opens up. Oh, yeah. I think they'd probably be better on offense than with Zeke, to be honest with you. Yeah, they would. Because Aaron Jones has the ability to be a wide receiver and a running Zeke back. Zeke cannot catch the ball. Uh-uh. He drops a lot. And so you put him with CeeDee Lamb on the outside, and then you run the ball with him? Yeah. I mean, you saw that's what Aaron Rodgers did with him this year. Mm-hmm. And... That's dangerous. You you take him Zach or Deke. I can't talk. Dak runs out, gets scrambled. Aaron Jones runs a little hitch, throws it to him. Yeah. I mean that's that's dangerous. That's something they haven't done yet. Um, but you know Zeke's also a pretty good running back too. So. He is a good running back. He's just un, uh, he's just yeah. got to get motivated. Right. Um. So let's talk about some college football news. We got yes. some big college football news. Les Miles. And Kansas agreed to part ways. Yes. Um, this is a big deal because a lot of people, we're not going to get into the details and all right. of that. The LSU investigation, right. his name com- com- came up. And right. so it was a mutual agreement. They should they should part ways. Kansas wasn't getting any better under Les Miles anyways. Les Miles, this was a stopping ground on the way or stopping uh, point on the way to retirement. Is what Kansas was. Well, they wanted to make a splash. Yeah. And they did. Yeah. But they weren't getting better. No. And, you know, I I don't know what to say about Kansas football. I, I really don't because they were good. Under Mangino. Yeah. And Charlie Weiss. Yeah. They, I mean, they were good. Yeah. Weiss, when, he le- when they fired Weiss, he left them with a pretty bad recruiting class. And that's what they've been struggling ever since. Uh, interesting take on this whole thing. This is when I was telling you about this before we went on the show. Uh, there's a name surfacing. Who now? I don't know if this will happen. It's a long shot, I'm sure. But obviously, Kansas has a, a coaching vacancy now, and you know who just popped up into their coaching search is none other than Tom Herman. Tom Herman is a coaching candidate, according to multiple sources, hmm. for the Kansas job. Hmm. How rich would that be? Tom Herman now is on. Hmm. He has taken the – he's an offensive analyst now for the Chicago Bears. I'm surprised he's not at Bama. Yeah. He's the, so he, he, he's – he might have chosen that because they he might be able to work from – home i think he still lives in austin and uh so but it would be kind of funny if tom herman takes the job in lawrence kansas of all places turns the kansas jayhawks around i would absolutely love it and then beats texas i would absolutely love it i mean that would kind of be funny i would love it i mean i would love it because it would prove that the firing of Herman was bad. Yeah. Tom Herman, no matter how you feel about him, so, you know, some people just – he's very confident and yeah, – Some people don't like him as a guy, and I could see it. Yeah, I mean – But I'm, we're judging him off as a yeah. coach. But I've never met the guy. No, me either. I, I don't know, I, and I'm not going to judge him as a person right. until I meet him. But as a coach, he did pretty good at Texas. I mean, he took a 5-7 and seven program and went 4-0 and oh in bowl games – uh, went seven and six, then ten and four, eight and five, and that eight and five is an Alamo Bowl win with an injury-riddled team, and then a pandemic year, 
I don't think you should be fired after a pandemic Me year. Either. I agree with that. I mean, so, so a seven and three with another Alamo Bowl win. Now next year, if it were me, if I would have given him this year, and if they don't show any improvement, then you make the decision on Herman. But and I like Steve Sarkeesian. I think obviously he did great things as the Alabama OC, but is he that much better than Tom Herman? I mean, time will tell. But I think the way Texas treated Tom Herman there towards the end is not not the way you should do it. Well, and I'll come out and say this. <clears throat> Anytime you look for a coach when you haven't fired the Yours. coach you have, that's not a good thing. Yeah. Um, and I think it kind of backfired on him because yeah. Herman – well, it, it's just – it's not fair for Herman because – He's still your head coach. He's still getting him, you know, getting paid. He's employed. Yeah, they're and trying to like talk to Urban Meyer behind yeah. your back. Well, and he's trying to recruit, get a recruiting class, and all these kids are reading on Twitter. I say kids. I mean, they're our yeah. age, but all these guys are on Twitter seeing like, oh, UT, you know, interviewing Urban Meyer, looking at new coaching candidates. When they yeah. have, when that coach is going to come in their living room that day. Yeah, and then they ba- they were kind of bashing him for not signing a good recruiting class. I mean, well, I mean, yeah. There's no. What do you expect when your coach is, thinks he's going to get fired and recruits are <laughs> seeing that? And I think the first, the first, you know, the first domino was the quarterback from Quinn South Ewers. Lake Car- yeah, yeah, South Lake Carroll. When Quinn. he decommitted, it was that was the beginning. And I think that that was the beginning. But you know, Herman had landed two top three recruiting classes. And then I think every other recruiting class was in the top ten. I think like the year before last, the last year was like eight, and then this year, even with all this controversy, it's still like seventeen. I mean, so I think Tom Herman is a good coach and has had success at Texas, a lot of universities through four years. If you were to say you'll go thirty-two and eighteen and win four bowl games, they'd take it. Oh yeah. I mean, Kansas would absolutely take Kansas, that right Yeah, now. Kansas would say, you know, bring that 32-18 and 18 to Lawrence, Tom. So would Arkansas. Yeah. So would Vanderbilt. Yeah. So would Tennessee right now, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, Tennessee's really in the same position as UT. Yeah. Um, they really are. Um, but the thing that hurt Tom Herman and Jackson, you can chip out on this if you want, he never beat Oklahoma. Did he? How, or when did he beat? Once. He, he beat him once. And, and that's, that's the, the thing. Problem. If he would have beat OU this year, he'd still have a job. If he would have kept the same mentality that they did in bowl games, you know, yeah. during the whole regular season, then they would have won. But there's so much pressure, which nobody talks about at the University of Texas compared to any other school, you know, besides probably Michigan and, you know, you name a couple others. But there's so much pressure for you to win every day and to make the boosters happy and to make the athletic director happy and to make all the season ticket holders happy that, you know, if one thing doesn't go right, then you're in trouble. Right. Yeah. And we, you know, we went through their schedule. Yeah. I can't remember if that was the last show or the show before that. Yeah. Their first two games are not easy games. No, they've got a trap game, especially with the yeah. new coach. People are going to be focused on booking him in this new coach and mm-hmm. also the end zone expansion yep. being completed. They've completed, so it's going to be, you know, the new stadium, the new coach, and then there's Louisiana Lafayette just saying, we're ready to play. And let's not forget, they went to Ames and beat Iowa State, who almost won the Big 12 last year. Yeah, and they beat them pretty bad, too. Yeah. So, 
I mean, that's not a sleeper game. You know, I'm sure when they made they scheduled that game, they probably were like, okay, well that'll get us to a bowl game. That's one yeah. win. But don't sleep on that team. That team, they got a good coach. He turned down multiple programs to stay, and I would not. Now I'm not saying they're gonna win. Yeah, but it won't be a blowout. Likely, no sir. And then they gotta go to Fayetteville. Yeah, Jackson. Yeah, I mean their non-conference schedule is not easy, but at the same time, we'll see how good Steve Sarkeesian is as a head coach um, coming back because it's been forever since he's been at USC. Yeah, and this will be the last thing I say about it. Then you'll, you'll, we'll go into the NBA segment. But keep people talking about the offensive genius Sarkeesian is. He is. But Texas' offense was pretty dang good last year. Nobody thinks about that. They just look at the record. But Texas' offense put up 59-63. Good, t- you know, Gary Patterson, y'all being the TCU fans, you know that he can call defense. Oh, yeah. And they put up, they put up 31. Yeah. 45 against OU, 27 against Baylor, 41 against Oklahoma State. Their low mark was 17 against West Virginia, where they still won that game. And then, I'm trying to think, 69 against Kansas State. I mean, 55 against Colorado in the bowl game. I mean, that's putting up quite. That's putting up some offense. And, you know, Sarkeesian is a great offensive mind, but how much can you really improve on that? I mean... Well, and you mentioned the offense, and uh, yeah, Sark's offense looked amazing last year. Yeah. But I mean, look at his roster. <laughs> I mean, he had he had Devontae Smith. He had at one point he had Henry Ruggs, Jalen Waddle, Najee Harris, Mac Jones. Before that, he had Tua. Yeah. And so I'm like, his offense may be great. But I just know, and this is what's going to hurt him, the expectations at Texas, like Jackson said, they're going to expect him to come right back in, you know, all gas, no brakes. That's his thing. They're expecting all gas, no brakes into the first beginning of that season. Uh But he doesn't have those players yet. Now, I'm not saying he won't. Yeah. And Texas has good players. Yeah. But it takes time to build a program like an Ohio State. and, And Texas used to be there. Yeah. But they need, in order to get back there, they need patience. Yeah. And that is what kills them every time. You cannot build a national championship program in four years. And the, it is not possible. And the patience is going to be even less now because it's not like what Tom Herman was walking into. They gave him, you know, the first year when he went seven and six, that was, but won the Texas Bowl. That was viewed as a successful year because he was inheriting Charlie Strong's mess, I guess you could call it. I mean, Charlie Strong's a good guy, you know, good defensive coordinator. He's not a good head coach, in my opinion. And he left a pretty uh, program was kind of in shambles. And Tom Herman went seven and six, and everybody's praising him for it. Yes, Steve Sarkeesian goes seven and six his first year. Gonna People are gonna be absolutely livid. They, he needs to go ten and two. Yeah, he has to. Uh-huh. In my opinion, if he doesn't, if he, I would even say this, and you know, y'all can. Y'all can chip back in on this. If he doesn't contend for the Big 12 championship or go to a New Year's Six Bowl, yeah. they're going to be calling for his head already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're going to they're not they're going to say he's not the right fit. Yeah, exactly right. Jackson, what do you think? Um, you're probably right with the booster aspect of it, but you have to give a coach longer than one year. I agree. Year. That's what I've been saying. You, you can't know? give a coach one year because you know what? Say Steve Sarkeesian were to go nine and three. 
yeah. and be third in the Big 12, you know, behind Oklahoma and, you know, I, I don't know who else, maybe West Virginia or, you know, whoever. And Iowa State. Fill it in. Fill it in. Iowa State. Maybe Oklahoma State comes up and surprises people. But Don't sleep on the frogs know? this year. And anyway, I mean, yeah. you have no idea. And so if they were to go 9-3, and three, win a bowl game, go 10-3, and three, you know. That's because of success. And success. But then the following year, they were to go seven and six or eight and four and then go to eight and five or, <laughs> yeah. you know, well, seven and five, then they're in, stuck in the middle. Exactly. And he's already not starting off great because you lose a guy like Sam Ellinger. And now, if Sam Ellinger was coming back, well, that's monumentous. Cause, I yeah. mean, that's giant because monumental, my bad. Um, because you have that senior leadership, you have a guy that knows the program, what's the standards are, but who's their quarterback now? It's either going to be Casey Thompson or Hudson Card. And Thompson looked really good. Thompson looked good game. when he came into the bowl bowl game. How? What year is he? He is a. He's been in the program. He came in. Was he a high recruit? He was. He's from Newcastle, Oklahoma, and he came in. Uh, Sam Ellinger, the year they won the Sugar Bowl, that was his freshman year. So okay. he redshirted his freshman year, and then so 2019 was his redshirt freshman year, and then 2020 he was a redshirt sophomore. Okay. So technically, since last year count. doesn't count, he's still a redshirt sophomore. This is technically going to be his fourth year in the program. So I'm guessing if he doesn't win the starting job, he'll probably be in the portal. Yes. It's starting job or portal time for Casey Thompson. Okay. But then you got Hudson Card, who's the Lake Travis standout. He's also played a little in the bowl game, showed some bright spots. So there's going to be a quarterback controversy in the spring, and well, then and you know that's not that's not really what you're looking for if you're a new head coach. Yeah. You know, I mean, you don't have a quarterback you've recruited. You don't have a solid – you know, you don't have a Sam Ellinger now. Yeah. So, you know, going 10-2, and two, that's not – with a quarterback that hasn't started, hasn't played a whole lot. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting, you know, and it's going to be uh, – it's going to be something. But let's go ahead and bounce over to the NBA. LaMarcus Aldridge and Jackson, your Spurs, have mutually agreed to part ways. What do you? What's your opinion on this? No, good for LaMarcus and for the Spurs because the Spurs are still competing for a playoff spot. They're number seven in the in the West as of today, even though they lost to Dallas coming back off the All-Star break, um, 115-104 tonight. But you know what? For LaMarcus Aldridge, he'll probably find a place that's competing for a championship. And don't be surprised if the Clippers or – you know, Lakers, now that Anthony Davis is out, um, could be a pickup for there. And I mean, you know what? Good for both of them. Another story as well, Blake Griffin, you know, signed with Brooklyn. That's really going to help Brooklyn out because they're going to be able to spread the court, have DeAndre Jordan come off the bench if they want now, have another big. I mean, Brooklyn set themselves up really nicely for a deep playoff run, you know. And another big story is the Warriors uh, GM said that they're going to be aggressive at the trade deadline. So I don't know what that means, and aggressively, if they're going to try to let people go away or if they're going to try to keep and hold on and trade for more guys. You know, a guy they could be looking for is like a guy like Victor Oladipo. You know, the Rockets offered him that two-year extension, big money, and he declined it. Understandable. I mean, why would he want to be here during a rebuild? Um, 
which I'm kind of questioning why the Rockets would even offer him that, but <clears throat> that's a different story. Um, so I could definitely see a team like the Warriors wanting to pursue a guy like Victor Oladipo, who is looking for a ring. He'd be a great addition with Steph and Draymond. Um, yeah, and the Warriors are kind of stuck in the middle, too, because they've had so many great years of, you know, multiple championships with Steph, Draymond, Clay, you know, KD when he was there. And then, you know, KD leaves and they get injured and, you know, Clay gets hurt against Toronto and they don't end up winning that series and KD got hurt. Then he goes out to Brooklyn. And so they're kind of stuck in the middle and I think they're turning actually downwards. Um, but we'll see where it goes. And, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if even the Warriors started to trade off some of their pieces to get more assets back, meaning draft picks. Right. And let's be real, if Clay Thompson was on this team, they'd probably be better than they are right now. No, yeah, they would be, and they would have another championship mm. because if Clay and KD are not hurt, they beat Toronto in the, well, in, yeah. in the uh, NBA Finals. Yes, I totally agree. I mean, Ka- let's not take anything away from Kawhi, but let's be real. I yeah, mean, that no. team was unbelievable. Another big-time story was the All-Star game this year. You know, every year the All-Star game comes and goes, it seems like. Um... Giannis won the MVP. To me, the, the dunk contest. We watched the dunk contest. It was very boring. Um, to me, though, the, the All Star games just kind of meh because it's 180 to 170. Yeah. And there's no defense. It's even up half court shots. I mean, it's not the same All Star game in the glory days of the NBA. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of I I I've never wasted my time in the last few years with the All Star game ever. It's not fun to watch. Well, and I'll I'll kind of open up the floor to y'all two. What would y'all do if y'all were in charge of the NBA's? You know, if you were in charge of that, what would you do to make it more fun? You know, I think I think you got to get the players where they actually want to be there uh, somehow. Um, I you know they're all half-heartedly there. I think you maybe provide some incentives for. The players, you know, you do that kind of like you score 25 points or you get you play good defense. Obviously, I'm just you know, you right. have the right the mm-hmm. technical jargon and all that stuff down, but and but where if you play good, you, you get a little money and or something like that, or maybe a, a cause that all the players can get around, like you know, all the for every 10 points scored. You know, we donate so so much to you know cancer treatment or something, a can you know a charity, uh, something like that that would get the guys wanting to play. I mean, well, I know this year they did each quarter was like a game. Uh-huh. So whoever scored the most points in the first quarter won the first first quarter. Whoever won the second, you know, so and so on. And you know, it was Team LeBron versus Team Durant. Which I think it should be East and West. That's just my yeah, opinion. Yeah, it should. I don't understand the whole team captain thing, but you know we're gonna let LeBron do whatever he wants. It's LeBron's league, exactly. and we're just all in it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, which we're not hating on LeBron, but we kind of are at the same time. Yeah. Uh, but and so the winner of each pr- uh, quarter got to donate to their charity of whatever they wanted. So I mean, I guess that's kind of cool. Yeah. But at the same time. It's just it doesn't seem like the same. You know, we were watching the dunk contest. I knew who Cassius Stanley was because I'm a Duke fan and he played at Duke last year. 
But to the normal NBA fan, nobody's going to know Cassius Stanley. Yeah. And Cassius Stanley's been in the G League half this year. I'm not taking anything against him, but he probably shouldn't have come out. He probably yeah. should be at Duke right now with a lot of other college basketball players. Duke could absolutely need him this year. Rich, they won't make the tournament. Uh, okay, well, we'll get to that later. I disagree. <laughs> but, um, but like you said, you, you, our, my roommate Marshall and I and Josh, we watched some old dunk contests, and we watched the one where Blake Griffin jumped over the car. Uh-huh. Gerald Green, when he was in the dunk contest. You know Gerald Green? He played uh-huh. for the Rockets. He put a cupcake on the rim. I remember and, that and blew, blew it out. out. Yeah, like, I mean that's cool. Like yeah. as a kid, like I remember watching that and being like, I want to do that. Dwight Howard With slapped the, the sticker on the. Uh, yeah, he did the Superman, yeah. and then Nate Robinson jumped yeah. over Dwight Howard. Uh-huh. And so it's like you knew those guys. You knew who was doing. It. Kobe's done the dunk contest. Vince Carter, Tracy McGrady, MJ? MJ's done it. I mean Dominique did it. So I mean, why we need LeBron? We need. Durant, we need Harden, we need these guys to do the dunk contest. I mean, that is, people may say I'm going off on a limb here and I'm crazy, but MJ did the dunk contest. Why won't LeBron do it? Yeah, I'm being serious. Is LeBron yeah. above it, or you know, what's the LeBron deal? thinks he's above it. I'm not gonna lie. Do you think? Well, I'll open the floor up to Jackson too. Why don't you think? Because the the three point contest, you have guys like Steph and you know Eric Gordon. You have bigger players doing it. Why don't you have guys doing the dunk contest? Is it a fr- they're afraid they're hurt? They're gonna get hurt, or what? What do you think it is? I Jack? think uh, Matt. I think some of the uh, egos in the dunk contest are bigger than some of the egos in the three. Like Steph Curry's, a, I think we can all view him as a pretty nice guy, and you know as. As a Rockets fan, I want to say no, but yes. I, I mean, he does. You know, he, he tries to answer interviews politely and yeah, stuff like that. Throwing your mouthpiece at a fan's a gr- really nice guy, but we won't get into yeah, that. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, we all that's pretty much the whole NBA. But he's one of the better guys in the NBA, I'll yeah. say. Yeah, I mean, and he should have one less ring. 2018, we should have beat him, but yeah, Chris Paul got hurt, so that's that's a whole nother thing. But I think I I don't know. I'm not the big LeBron fan. I'm not the president of his fan club. Yeah. And uh, I think he thinks he's just a little bit too good for that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, and we want to clarify, like, you're not hating on him. No. You just, you're I, just not obsessed with him like a lot of other people. Yeah. Um, Jackson, why don't you think a lot of the bigger stars do the dunk contest anymore? Because they used to. I don't think they want to get hurt. You really think that's it? Yeah. Yeah? I really don't. And what's the benefit of them doing it? Yeah, I guess. You're right. No, just think about it, because what's the benefit of them doing it? Yeah. A trophy. I mean, they... Yeah, that's pretty nothing. much it. But, I mean, you know, you, back in the day, you had guys like MJ doing it. And Dominique, well, I mean, MJ... How many MJs are there? MJ and no Dominique MJs, were the two yeah. finalists in that dunk contest. That's legendary. I know, but there's no, not that's like many LeBron MJs and Durant. out there. Like, yeah. MJ just loved has, basketball. But who has MJ's mentality? LeBron? Kobe did. Yeah, Kobe did. LeBron is a great, great player. Probably second, in my opinion, second all-time behind Michael. I agree. Right? And then Kobe third. But Michael's mentality, this is just my opinion, I think is a little bit higher, even though we never saw him play, more intensity oh, I agree. than LeBron. Just go watch the last dance. I mean, that's, yeah. if, it, you know, my argument, and we're not going to get too deep no. into this, but 
if anybody wants to tell me that LeBron is the greatest, go watch The Last Dance. Yeah. That's all I got to say. Um, and well, I'm not taking anything well, against Cause LeBron. LeBron LeBron's is a great player. Great player. Um, but, yeah. So, like I said, the NBA All-Star game was this weekend. I It's just a big party event. Um, but let's go ahead and get back to the trade block. P.J. Tucker is apparently on the block, and Houston and Miami have been talking about a trade involving either Tyler Hero or Duncan Robinson. How do you? What do you think about that deal for both sides? Actually, I think the one of the better places for P.J. Tucker could be Phoenix. Really? Right now. Back to Phoenix. Back to Phoenix because Phoenix is second in the West. Nobody's talking about them. Nobody but they is. Have Devin Booker, Chris Paul running it. You know, you add another defensive star to help out, you know, against Kawhi or Paul George or against LeBron or, you know, different teams up there in the top of the West. But why, my opinion, Miami is not going anywhere this year and Houston's not either. So that's like a no-win situation for either ball club. Right. It's interesting that nobody's talking about the Suns. Do you think personally that they could give the Lakers a series? I do not personally, but I think it could go six games. Like what I mean, right. like I don't think it's a. It would be you know a win a game, three a home, and then sneak one out and be like a two-two, and then you know go from there. Just kind of like uh, Denver did with uh, L.A. last year. Yeah. Well, the only reason I say that is because they have DeAndre Ayton. He could match up with. I'm not saying he's better. And then than nobody's Anthony talking is. about Utah either. And Utah's number one at 27 and That's eight with one. Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. So either Utah or Phoenix could really get a guy like PJ Tucker and help out with their ball club. You know, you match up like I was saying. You match up DeAndre Ayton with Anthony Davis. You can't really match up anybody up with LeBron, but you have Chris Paul and you have Devin Booker. I don't think they'll win that series, but I think it could be a good series. I mean, you never know when it gets to the playoffs. And if it ended today, Phoenix would have home court, which is not saying much, but still they would be. Well, it kind of goes back to if they have fans or not. Mm-hmm. Which they probably won't. But I think it's more interesting that the Jazz are number one than Phoenix is number two. Yeah, nobody talks about Donovan Mitchell at all and what he's done, or same as Rudy Gobert. Uh-uh. And, you know, like we've said, the Jazz have always been on the cusp. They've always been right there. They ran into that Rockets team in 2018, or and 20 was that 2018 too, and 2019. They lost the Rockets twice, and then it, it's just been hard for them. You know, they've never, they haven't gotten it. Is this the year where they could possibly get there? I I don't know if they're there yet, mm-hmm. but I'll say this: I think for the NBA, if you really want, like talking about seven, eight seeds. It really would be good if New Orleans got in because I have Zion Williamson in the playoffs. I think just I to have another star, um, you know, that up-and-coming star to be in the playoffs would be something I good agree. for the NBA. I agree. Well, that's all for today. Next week, we will have Gene Watson on the show. That's a great interview. We're looking forward to that. Um, and we have, we'll have we have a lot to talk about. Matt, y'all got anything else to close on? Uh, I, I, I think... It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. You know, obviously next week uh, we'll have to schedule a time to since it's spring break ar- around here, but we will definitely keep you guys updated. Yes, sir. Yep. Have a good one, guys.